This is Betsy Denson, and you are listening to Unstoppable Body and Mind, episode 83, interview with Raina, insomnia anxiety coach. In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become unstoppable, body and mind. So today on the show, we have Raina, who is a sleep coach. I found her recently and she coaches on insomnia anxiety, which really stood out to me because a lot of my clients and people with chronic pain either have insomnia, anxiety, or both, or can easily develop that once their pain starts decreasing. Sometimes they develop some insomnia or anxiety or insomnia anxiety. So welcome today, Reina. Thanks so much, Betsy, for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Well, yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I think our um, application and a lot of what we do really aligns. And I think a lot of times people want just some quick tips, which you're, mm-hmm. you're good at giving, you live through this, but um, you also have a similar approach with thought work that is really the foundation of everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just a little bit about my background. I certified at the same coaching school that you did, life, the life coach school, and I, just, I had a terrific experience. And I think the reason I was so amazed by the experience is um, I wasn't intending to become an insomnia anxiety coach. In fact, when I started certification, I was still struggling with my insomnia. I was doing the things that most normal people do, visiting the doctor, trying to figure out what to change about my sleep hygiene, all the standard things and the good advice that you do read on the internet. I wasn't really even thinking about how anxiety was feeding into keeping me awake at night. So I kept doing the certification program. I'd started thought work in a different program, Carlo and Thiel's program, if you're familiar with that one, really good. And I just began working on my anxiety in all different areas. And then I noticed, hey, I'm sleeping like at the start of it two to three hours of broken sleep a night and then catching up on sleep at lunchtime or on the weekends, which meant that I couldn't really even schedule anything fun to do because I needed to plan in times that I could catch up on rest. Mm -hmm. So over time, as I was doing thought work, I noticed, hey, I'm sleeping longer and I didn't change anything else about my routine. I wasn't taking more medication. I wasn't doing, I was still doing my sleep hygiene, but not anything different. I was keeping the same habits, but I wasn't adding anything into it. The only change was the thought work. And now I'm sleeping a solid six to seven hours a night. Hey, it's not the eight to nine I used to get, but you know what? I'm thrilled with what I am getting. So I'm very, very happy with the outcomes. And I just wanted to share this with everyone else to say, Hey, your insomnia could be caused by medical things. It might be caused by psychological issues, but there's no harm in addressing the anxiety. And there's so many aspects of um, insomnia anxiety that tend to like ramp up all kinds of other anxiety you're already having during the day. Yeah, that is so, so true. The anxiety during the day um, sometimes is more than the uh, good sleep hygiene can, (laughs) 
you know, mm -hmm. compensate for maybe. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're hundred percent right about that. Because like, if you're thinking, Hey, what's my performance at work going to be like tomorrow? Or how am I going to parent? Or if this continues, how am I going to reach any of my goals? I mean, turning your blue screen off an hour early, that helps. It all helps. But if those are the thoughts that are kind of spinning in your mind over time and at night, the turning off your computer helps, taking your meds helps, all of that helps. But there's that other key piece, which is addressing the thoughts causing the anxiety that a lot of current uh, remedies leave out. Yes. Yeah. And can you tell just a little bit more about the severity of your insomnia, how long um, you were going on two to three hours of sleep? Because I think that's a pretty impressive story. Mm -hmm. So when I say two to three hours of sleep, I don't want people to think like I'm some superhuman. Basically, when I say two to three hours of sleep, I mean, during the typical standard sleep hours that most people think about sleeping. It's like, if you go to bed at night, and wake up in the morning. So in that period of time, I was getting two to three. Uh -huh. So I would have to nap during yeah. lunchtime. And I probably sometimes would come home and nap like 30, 45 minutes, get back up, cook dinner, do whatever else I need to do to pay bills. What, what you do when you come home from work. So that went on for quite a while. And it started after I had some major life changes. I had a sudden loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. So that really amped up my anxiety and I wasn't really able to sleep very well. And then I went through the loss of a very, very long-term personal relationship. So that was a big, big change in my life. And uh, I took on a new job. I had moved to a city where I didn't know anybody. So I had to start from scratch and build up a new social network and um, get used to the city and understand my routines and habits within it. So that was a learning curve, even though it was fun, it can be a little bit stressful when you're going from one place where you know everything to a different one and you're still struggling with the anxiety and the insomnia. So that was causing it. And then um, the job that I started was one where I had to travel frequently. Mm -hmm. So not only was I learning a brand new skill set, but I was also required to travel. And I was traveling from coast to coast on different, through different time zones, but short trips, I mean, maximum 24 to 36 hour trips. So you can imagine none of that is good for your sleep yeah. patterns. And I think you said that lack of sleep went on for about five years. Yeah. Five years. I mean, there were some periods where it got better, but honestly, it was never really uninterrupted sleep. I mean, there were just, it was five years of dealing with that. And I was very much suffering and people say, well, how'd you deal with it? I mean, I almost destroyed my digestive system because I was oh. living on espresso. Uh -huh. No. And I you were working full-time too, right? I was working full-time. Yeah. Um, there was an espresso machine at our company. And so I, I mean, I ended up in the gastroenterologist's office and I had to have so many different tests done. I had oh, severe wow. inflammation in my body. Yeah. I had, um, been gaining weight even yeah. though I was exercising, but I was also doing things that weren't helping. Like I would read exercise helps insomnia. So I would go really, really hard at it. Okay. So you and were that, kind of a perfectionist about 
trying to fix it, which mm-hmm. actually caused more insomnia and anxiety? Absolutely. And I think it just, you know, put my adrenals on overdrive yeah. and just yeah. made me be like a cortisol adrenaline monkey, like all yeah. day long. Yeah. Well, on one hand, um, you know, that's a story that um, we don't want anyone to ever have to go through. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I know there are a lot of people that have anxiety about getting, you know, a few hours of sleep one night here or there. So in a way, you are a testament to how you can survive, um, not ideally, with very little sleep, but is there kind of a way uh, that that does help people to, to know one or two nights of less ideal sleep can be okay? I mean, I think it's a scary thing to try to wrap your head around because a lot of people know that cognitive behavioral therapists of which I'm not one of those, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of advice out there. Like, don't worry about sleep and, you know, just deal with your anxiety and everything's going to be fine. And I think the response that most people have is how, right? Because if I get less than eight hours of sleep, I'm freaked out about that. And then I'm thinking this is going to go on forever. Yes. And I'm also thinking that I'm not going to be able to stop it. And I have no control or power over this. Yes. So what I would say is that as hard as it is and as counterintuitive and wrong it feels when people are telling you to stop freaking out about your anxiety, it's not because they're dismissing your concerns. It's not because they're not trying to help you, but ultimately the too long didn't read version is like, you gotta just tamp down the anxiety around it. Okay. You just have to. And um, obviously, you know, we can show you how you can show people how I, I can show people how, but the nuts and bolts of it are really where you get to learn how to make that happen for yourself. And I, that's what I figured out for myself. Yeah. Well, what I love about that approach is it reminds me of my own. <laughs> like there are a lot of different ways to deal with chronic pain. And the, the best way for you is to learn to tune into your own body and find for you what works because I'm sure there's even contradicting advice on sleep out there. And that can get really overwhelming and confusing and cause more of the insomnia anxiety. Mm -hmm. So uh, one thing that I hear a lot are clients that usually they get pretty exhausted during the day and fall asleep quite easily, but then wake up around two or three or four. And if they don't get right back to sleep, that can cause some issues and that's a lot of times where I hear about the insomnia anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that's, ex- that? yeah, that's exactly my story. I would be okay. so tired during the day. So when my head would hit the pillow, I'd be out in like five or 10 minutes. Yeah. But hour and a half later, I'd be up. And when I say up, wide awake, up and just wired already. Oh, but, and I think you said, we've talked before, so I have a little insight on what yeah. you said, but I think you said before even, and I've seen this with my clients, starting to get a little anxiety before bed, like, mm-hmm. like what's going to happen tonight? Even though you weren't scared about falling asleep, it was like, how's tonight going to go? Mm-hmm. going to affect my next day? Yeah. Yeah. It was not only anxiety, but by the time that it had been going on for a year and I wasn't seeing any improvement with medication use and sleep hygiene, I was really at the point where like, 
this night's just going to suck and I'm going to fall asleep for a little bit. And this is just my life from now on. And I was really resigned and very depressed about it. Mm. So the longer it goes on, it really wears away your self-esteem and kind of your feelings of agency over it. And um, you just start to think that the quality of your life is diminished going forward. And that feels like a life sentence. Yeah. Especially feeling helpless is something that we know increases the stress response in your body. So you're actually pumping more cortisol Mm -hmm. through your system by feeling helpless and not being able to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Because ultimately your survival instinct is like, I want to do something about it. So even though your mind is depressed and saying you can't do anything about it, your survival brain is like, no, 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 I must do something about it. So it's in constant like flight mode. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So what would you suggest back to that um, waking up at two or three, if you have advice for people Mm -hmm. in that situation? Definitely when you wake up at two to three, the first thing to do is stop, tell yourself, stop catastrophizing. Don't go to the worst case scenario. I love that you use that word because we talk about it in pain too. Mm -hmm. There's studies on pain catastrophizing and how it increases your pain. Yeah. So bring some conscious awareness. You're groggy in that moment. You're a little bit disappointed. You're feeling some underlying despair, but you're not conscious of that. You won't be able to put words to it, but that's usually what people are experiencing when they wake up or a sense of panic. So definitely bring your conscious brain into that moment. Tell yourself, stop catastrophizing. Second thing remind yourself this has happened before and my day went objectively fine. Third, remind yourself I was a little uncomfortable and I was tired, but I didn't lose my job that day. Mm -hmm. I made a mistake. It was forgiven. Mm -hmm. Maybe I yelled at my child or my partner, but we're still in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I didn't operate at full efficiency, but I'm still here and I'm still okay. So really just try to focus on the aspects of your life that are still going right, even though the insomnia anxiety is super uncomfortable. I'm not saying this is going to be easy, but it's an intervention that you've got to do in order to take control back. It makes so much sense. It's like what we do with pain, starting to see the times you feel a little bit better and emphasizing those and looking for all of the exceptions, you know, and with sleep, oh, I did get two to three hours, but I had an okay day. Mm -hmm. I actually functioned okay that day and look for those stark examples of the positive as well, because your brain naturally looks for the negative. That's all it thinks about. Yeah. And I want to make, I totally agree with that, but I want to make a distinction Mm. because in a lot of self-help circles, they talk about, you know, thinking positive. And nowadays you hear the phrase toxic positivity where the toxic part is like, you're lying to yourself about how you feel. You're lying that you're feeling great. So I'm not telling anyone that you need to lie to yourself and say, Hey, I feel great despite not sleeping. I'm saying just be objective, just be an objective observer. There are things about insomnia that are super challenging and that you are entitled to feel negatively about. So I'm not here to say you should never feel negative about it. 
but there are things about your life that are still going more or less the same as they were before you began struggling with insomnia or maybe even better. So try to look at those areas too. So that way you get a little more control over how you view your current health challenges. Yeah. Because it's that resistance to, you know, the situation that you're in that actually really keeps you not sleeping and in that cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you kind of start to accept, even here, I accept mm-hmm. actually, that is what helps you get better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you're tossing and turning, when you wake up in the middle of the night, I view that as you're resisting what's actually happening in that moment. So you can even accept the fact, Hey, I'm up right now. It sucks. I really don't want this to be the case. And this is the reality and allow yourself to feel disappointed. Allow yourself to feel depressed about it Mm -hmm. without tossing and turning away from it really allow yourself that despair. If that means if what that looks like for you is crying, you know, punching the pillow, Mm -hmm. getting up and having a warm glass of milk while you show some compassion for yourself, whatever it is, it's going to look different for different people. I don't have a one size fits all solution because some people might get up and have a snack and that's fine. Or some people might show compassion to themselves by putting some lavender in their diffuser next to their bed, or some people might want to watch a funny video on YouTube to cheer themselves up in that moment. So I don't have a one size fits all, but Mm -hmm. acknowledge your feelings in that moment. If you're feeling depressed, frustrated, hopeless, name it, and then let that sensation flow through your body. Yeah. Don't resist it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that sounds very similar to what we do with pain as well. When we recognize it and we meet it with less resistance, Mm -hmm. we're we're processing it differently. We're not adding to the stress and the fear, which creates more pain, or in this case, insomnia. We're meeting the sensation with curiosity or, you know, less resistance, allowing it. And love and compassion, yeah. right? Yeah, and if love and feeling, compassion. If you're feeling like crap, don't you want a friend or somebody to step in and say, hey, it's going to be all right and it's going to be okay. Don't lose faith. Mm-hmm. And usually our doctor is not going to be telling us that. And sometimes our friends and family might be a little bit upset with us or they lose patience because maybe we're going on and on about this affliction. But you can be a very compassionate source of nurturance to yourself Mm -hmm. in the moments when you really, really need it. And that's in the middle of the night. So be your best friend in the middle of the night. Yeah. Not an easy thing to ask, by the way, don't think just because it kind of sounds like it might be easy. Just give yourself compassion with that as well. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously that could have a few different meanings. So get your mind out of the gutter people (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, do what feels good. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Let's Uh, keep an open mind. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, well, I do think that, you know, I've heard, you know, some people do journaling or some people do get on their phone. And, you know, I think when there's, there's general rules of advice that, you know, Mm -hmm. don't the blue light thing or whatever, 
but maybe watching videos of puppies and babies really calms their nervous system in a way that, you know, journaling or reading wouldn't. Yeah. And maybe the benefit of that outweighs the, you know, a few minutes of blue light exposure or whatever. So yeah. listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Don't look at all these expert opinions and say, if I do this, if I expose myself to one shred of blue light, yeah. it's all over for me. Obviously, probably picking up your phone is not a great idea, but if that ends up being what works for you for now, Mm -hmm. go for it. But it's a different story if you pick up your phone and then you start doom scrolling and you start reading a lot of negative stuff or you're starting to like look for what medication is going to work and who else is up and, you know, all of these different things. If you're scrolling because you're feeling anxious and then the things that you look at just make you more anxious. That's probably not going to be a great thing for you. But if you're scrolling and you put on a nice meditation, or maybe you put on some soothing music or look at puppies and babies, and maybe you just look at funny memes, you know, and just take your mind away from the despair you're feeling. I mean, that's a better use of your phone. If you're, if you have to use your phone in that moment, you know, that you're going to want some distraction try to make it positive. Yes. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we've kind of talked about too, how when you're, you know, at your most anxious and revved up and doing the like thought work and reasoning with yourself is not going to be as effective. So you might even think of like when you're really revved up, having some different types of approaches than, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're kind of a little more neutral, you might not take extreme as extreme of measures. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think I used to get up and do thought work in the middle of the night, but it was because not because of my anxiety, uh, insomnia, anxiety necessarily, but I was having anxiety about something else, whether it was a financial issue or some type of work issue or personal issue. So I would do that in the middle of the night, but other times, even though you're awake, your, your body is still in a state of rest. So I know a lot of people, it's not you're awake, but you're not like awake, like you are during the day, you're still at rest, but your mind is racing. Yeah. So maybe you don't need to do thought work and re-stimulate your brain at that point, but do something else that's soothing, low energy. If you do get out of bed and it feels like, Hey, I want to crochet a little bit and low light or, whatever it is, you know, try not to make it too active, but something gentle and relaxing that you don't need to engage your conscious brain in to the full extent, like you would, if you were solving a math problem or putting a shelf together or something like that, try to keep it lo-fi, you know, just keep it low energy and just try to calm yourself and relax yourself. Yeah. So almost like each time that it happens, check in with yourself, what you need in that moment. Mm-hmm. whether it's to just kind of keep laying there with compassion or getting up, it's not as much, you know, the A line, what you do, the action you take, it's kind of the, the energy you're coming from the emotion you're coming from. You want to calm yourself, be gentle, mm-hmm. maybe even reframe things. I wanted to ask you about there. I know there's been some thoughts for me that really helped um, just kind of shift my paradigm mm-hmm. and, and, cause a lot more, um, thoughts of ease Mm -hmm. around sleep. Um, one of the things you even talked about was like how we talk about sleep being good or bad, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right. 
Um, and then another one was just a thought that really helps me is just when I'm laying there, even laying here is a form of rest. Mm -hmm. And and that has helped me when I'm not actually asleep, but I'm laying, I can still think, well, I, I was able to rest for several hours. I was resting from, I think you said this, I was resting from the computer. I was resting from work. I was resting from the kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, even when I was up, I used to tell myself, well, my body's still getting rest, right? I'm not sitting and having to maintain a certain posture. I'm not exposing my eyes to computer for eight hours straight. I'm not cooking right now. I'm not cleaning my apartment. I'm not making phone calls to get my internet fixed. I'm actually resting. So even if I'm not asleep, because that's what we label as good, right? That's good rest. If you don't get this rest, you're not getting any kind of rest at all. But how many hours of the day do you actually get to sit down and do nothing? Like during the day when 98% of the world is awake, yeah, right? Most of us might never oh. even do that. Yeah. So at night, you actually, even though you're not asleep, like you would want to be, you are resting still. And that's something to really, it's so simple, but it's a profound realization. Like you yeah. are still resting. And that feels so much more calmer to me. You know, I've experienced that thinking, just going from the thought of like, this is really bad, but I'm not mm -hmm. sleeping to like, I'm still getting some form of rest. All of a sudden, I wasn't worried about what someone told me was like, you have to sleep this certain way. It has to look this certain way for it to be good or for you to be healthy or for you to feel good tomorrow. Yeah. Well, you know, when a lot of times when you lead, read medical literature and like, keep in mind, the media wants to terrify you because that's how they get you to keep going back to them for answers. But if they're telling you, hey, you need to sleep eight hours or you're going to end up with Alzheimer's and dementia, and that could be true. I'm not ruling that out. You know, I'm not trying to say that the five years of um, inconsistent rest I was getting is going to be great, but I don't know that. I don't know that from today, whether that's an inevitability. Right. So instead of focusing on the fact that I might have those issues later on, I'm just going to focus on, well, am I feeling good now? Yes. Kind of more in the moment rather mm -hmm. than the future or the past, you know, mm -hmm. that is, you know, what we teach with this pain modification too. It's how you stop catastrophizing because you can't be catastrophizing unless you think of the thinking of the future or the past. Because mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the moment, there's sensation, there's you know maybe emotion, there's a lot of thoughts, but it's it's not catastrophizing unless you're thinking of it's always going to be like this or my day is ruined, it's horrible. Yeah, and you know, think about this. Think about emergency room doctors who work the night shift right? They're not working the night shift all the time. Mm -hmm. Think about the nurses. Think about the people in the operating rooms at those hours. Yeah. Right. These aren't people who are thinking I am not functioning. I am, you know, these are people oh, who are functioning God. at a very high level, helping other people save lives or help, you know, saving the lives of others. So we're not looking at them and saying they have disordered sleep. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this. We don't say babies getting up every two hours, you know, have disordered sleep or teenagers sleeping in have disordered sleep or, you know, very high achievers who say they can be like, you know, Elon Musk comes to mind where he like, 
sleeps only, I don't know, three or four hours a night. I mean, I think that didn't work for me, but it's working for him. Yeah. So what is the right amount of sleep? Honestly, Mm -hmm. person to person, it's gotta be Mm -hmm. right. Just like how diets don't work the same for each person. You know, someone might love an Atkins diet and lose a lot of weight with that. And you know, a vegetarian is not going to love an Atkins diet and their body functions, you know, well for them. Mm -hmm. That's what they're the most aligned with and most in tune with. Yeah. And I just want to point out to people listening right now who say, well, if it's so individual, I'm never going to crack this code. Or if it's so all over the place and, you know, what do the guidelines mean? And you guys are just, Betsy and Rain are just confusing me even more right now. But what I would posit is, you know, by looking at insomnia anxiety as personal, yeah, it feels daunting because you feel stressed about how am I going to figure out the recipe that works for me? But I would, I would say it grants you a big opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. It puts you in charge of deciding what's right for you. And you get to stop terrifying yourself with other people's opinions. True. I love that. It's, it's just like with coaching, when you realize how influential your thoughts are, you're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, my thoughts are always creating my results. And you can put a lot of pressure on yourself, but it's also a beautiful thing to learn and such a gift to know mm-hmm. the power that you have. Yeah. Another, I wanted to tell you one other thing that really reframed things for me was just how normal I think it is to wake up around two to 3 a.m. In fact, I think I read before light bulbs were invented that people used to sleep, get up for a few hours in the night and do activities and um, connect with each other and then go back to sleep for several hours. Mm -hmm. So for me, that really helped normalize. If I wake up in the night, it's actually a pretty normal thing my body does and not to stress about it. Yeah, I think I've read something similar. So I'm not a scientist or an anthropologist or anything like that. But then I was imagining, why would we do that? And I mean, I think in the past, there was probably a time where fully grown adults had to take turns caring for children or maybe like, you know, serving as a sentinel, right? Guarding and making sure that everyone else was safe. So maybe that's just a part of our human design. Maybe by the time you hit mid-age, maybe that's what you just do because that's like your duties depended on that. So I, I don't know. I have zero clue. I would love it if an anthropologist or somebody with more, you know, <laughs> information on this could tell us. That would be really interesting to learn. Right. right. But maybe there were just times in our evolution where we just needed different types of rest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely for me, it, it turned it from like, there's a problem to like, oh no, there's probably not a problem. It may just be normal. Mm -hmm. And then I just get back to sleep so much easier anyway. So it's like, it's not an issue anymore about getting back to sleep because I don't worry about if I do or not. And so then I do, I get back to sleep a lot easier. Absolutely. And maybe the problem isn't our sleep patterns. Maybe it's the problem of how we've set up the ideal day. You sleep eight hours, you work productively for another 12 and then go to sleep. Maybe that's the problem, right? It sounds pretty artificial to me. Yeah. 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 So it's just about questioning why have we set this up to be the right amount of sleep? And even if a doctor says to me, 
you need eight hours. It's like, well, eight hours straight or eight hours like broken up or yeah, like exactly. is, is it only eight hours because you expect me to be in the office working from eight to five? Like, right. you know, nowadays with technology and people creating their own businesses or their own flexible work schedules, maybe that can help a lot with um, attitudes towards insomnia as well, because you just get sleep when your body feels tired. Yes. I feel like I heard Albert Einstein was that way, that he would take several 15 minute naps a day, but Mm -hmm. you know, not sleep much at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably people that know more about that too, but yeah. If, if that is calling to you, if that sounds more natural to you, if that sounds like that might be a weight off, a burden off, then, mm-hmm. you know, if you're drawn to this approach, then keep checking this out, keep following those instincts. If it feels, you know, like, huh, this approach sounds a lot lighter than all the stress I've been putting myself under with the routines and the sleep diary and the, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Like getting out of bed in the middle of the night when it's freezing cold in my house. And I don't really want to do that. You know? Yes. Yes. Just for the sake of, you know, not laying in bed too long. You know, Mm -hmm. if again, if it's calling to you, if that sounds like, huh, that would be, if I could just do this one thing differently, it would be so much greater. You probably can do that one thing differently. Yeah, absolutely. And for some people who do want to get the eight hours, I'm not here to tell you you're wrong. You can definitely work on that too. The beauty of thought work is you can apply it to any goal you want to achieve. So if getting those solid eight hours is important to you, that's something we can definitely work on. I don't want to, I am not anti anyone's goals. I'm not here to try to reinvent the script for you if it's not working for you like if or if the script is working for you sorry I didn't say that the right way if the script the current script and the accepted ideals of sleep that's really what you want to go for we can work on that but if you know that's not working for you we can work on that too so we can go in any direction you want to go in Mm -hmm. with your sleep work so Raina if people do have more questions for you how -hmm. can they get in touch with you So I am developing a Facebook page. I've got members in there and I do weekly tips and there's worksheets and other free materials that's completely free of charge. And I mean, that link is going to be in the podcast notes. So please come and join. You can work with me there. Please keep in mind, it's a group setting. So, you know, it's still very beneficial because you'll get to talk to other folks who are going through the same thing. And that support is really, really important. So that way, You don't feel as isolated and alone, which is a big, big issue that a lot of people going through this are bringing up. Ah, that is amazing. I do think there's such a power to groups and um, I've loved having you come to my group coaching program and Raina and I have been collaborating to have her come and do some seminars and some experiential teaching and coaching with the people that I coach too. Yeah. So any of you out there who want to work more closely with Betsy, I do work with her on some targeted areas with insomnia, anxiety. So that's another way for us to work together, but I really invite you to the Facebook group and there's a lot of good value that I'm planning to put in there, but really the value is going to come from the bonds you make with other people who are going through the same thing. That is great. I'm joining the Facebook group too, because (laughs) Always awesome. good to have those, you know, that extra 
information and things to think about and, and things to not overthink about, but <laughs> you have such a gentle, loving, compassionate approach. I don't think you're going to be the kind of information that's like scaring people and making them worry. You know, it's all about just kind of integrating what works best for you. Yeah. 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 Basically my approach is let's calm down. Let's yeah. think this through. Let's do this in the most compassionate way. Ah, uh, I love that. And it, yeah. and is it, it, it's exactly what we work on with pain, calming the nervous system, seeing what those thoughts are that you're stressing yourself out about processing the emotions that come up, being compassionate, yeah. with, compassionate with yourself in the process. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Very similar work. <laughs> Almost identical, but <laughs> I, I'm glad there are people that, like you that have the um, life experience of living through that and can be, you know, that extra beacon of hope for people who think like, oh, my life is shot because this is never going to change. Hey, I used to be there and I'm not there anymore. So I feel like I've covered, I've come a long way. Amazing. All right. Well, we're just about to wrap up, but do you have any last words of encouragement or advice for the listeners? Yeah, definitely. Definitely don't lose hope. I know that it can feel scary to hope when everything else has failed. So I'm not asking you to go out on a limb, but I'm asking you to keep trying. Just believe in yourself. Keep trying. There's a part of you that really wants to figure this out listen to that part as much as you listen to the part that says you can't figure this out because if you're listening to this podcast today you're here because there's a part of you that said I want to figure this out and that's the part of you that led you here today yes such a message of hope yeah yeah and I mean it's going to take time I mean, this wasn't an overnight thing for me, which is why I want to tell people, let's be patient with the process, be patient with ourselves and uh, know that there's a way to restore your dignity and a sense of control over this issue. Mm, I love that. Well, thanks again for joining me. That was a great episode and so helpful, I'm sure, to so many people. Um, and if you know someone struggling with insomnia, anxiety, be sure and share this with them as well. Thanks, Betsy. All right. Thanks for coming. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life like it helped me. Please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.